Okay, we're ready. Um, I think we should talk about the new 30-minute format. Are you recording? I'm, I'm recording. Okay. All right, friends. We have had some pretty mixed reviews on social media. I don't know the 30-minute thing is working or not. Are we going to have to change it? Okay. Everyone who <laughs> likes the shorter version, could you please write in? Because I feel like I'm losing ground here. The people who don't like it are being very vocal. Everybody who liked the longer version, do write in. It's absolutely fine. No, no, no. no. Also, no we've already heard that one. If some of the And also my kind of machine. I've got one of these bot machines that writes the saying, oh, you know, I want longer ones. So kind of, you know, it's AI. Oh, oops, let's slip. Right. We'd love to hear from you. Here's the episode. Welcome to Outrage and Optimism. I'm Tom Rivik Karnak. I'm Christiana Figueres. And I'm Paul Dickinson. This week, we talk about the fact that conserving and protecting the natural world is a critical part of dealing with the climate crisis and keeping us within 1.5 degrees. We speak to Rita Zagul, the head of the 30 by 30 initiative, and we have music from Mr. Bruce. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. Okay, so this week we are going to delve into the critical issue of nature. This has always been a sort of poor cousin to the climate issue. Um, It's never really received the attention it deserves. But of course, we can't deal with the climate crisis unless we actually have a proper plan to protect and restore nature, as well as dealing with all of the ways in which we interact with the natural system through food and food commodities and all these other different things. So that we are going to set out for you this week in our pre-chat. And then we're going to have a conversation with an amazing woman who runs this 30 by 30 campaign. Christiana, do you agree that nature has always been underrepresented? Well, first, I agree that you have totally misnamed nature because <laughs> the global atmosphere is also part of Oh, yes, sorry. As indeed are we and all of our listeners. Yes, sorry. I mean, okay, so rewind what Tom yeah. actually means when he says what he's trying to nature. Say. What he's trying to say not doing very well. Is but not doing very well is the land surface and the ocean surface of this planet is what he means um but and that includes all of our little animal friends and all our plant friends okay that's, that's what he means by nature but that's not the sum total of nature tom right now what was your question now that we've settled that piece i don't know let's let mr dickinson summarize it for us what was the question paul Broadly speaking, is it? Uh, would you agree, Christiana, that this um, the the thirty by thirty campaign looking to uh, restore biodiversity and protect thirty percent of the world's oceans and land by twenty thirty uh, has been the poor cousin of the decarbonisation efforts represented by the uh, UNFCCC? <laughs> Pretty good, Paul. Was you were clear? paying attention. Very good. He was paying attention. Ah, knocked it out of the now park. I think that, now, Christiane, I think you should summarise that for the listeners because I think there's a few acronyms in there. <laughs> so have we developed a business model to reduce emissions from the energy sector, but we have not developed yet a business model to reduce emissions from the land sector or even restore land and oceans? The answer is yes, correct. We have not developed a business model. And therefore... 
we are lagging behind on that. And will we be able to hit our climate targets without that piece? No. So a big, big missing piece. And thanks to everyone who is reminding us of that and trying to bring it to uh, attention. And the situation is pretty serious, of course. I mean, we we know um, from recent reports that 75% of land surface is significantly altered as a result of human activity. 66% of the ocean is experiencing cumulative impacts and 85% of wetlands have been lost. Um, so what that actually shows is that only 2.8% of land on Earth could be considered intact from a sort of wild nature perspective. Of course, and that's not all what we're talking about. And so, you know, the 30 by 30 campaign, of course, is, is, is critical in so many ways. But one interesting way to start thinking about nature is to divide it into three parts, right? So first of all, there's the conservation agenda, that is protecting what we have, that is of the utmost urgency, protecting those rainforests and those boreal forests and temperate forests that are still intact or semi-intact and have this incredible treasure trove of biodiversity contained within them. That's the first piece, to conserve what we have. The second piece is to restore what we've lost. We've lost enormous amounts of biodiversity and land and tree cover and natural ecosystems and actually Study after study has confirmed that restoring those ecosystems has enormous benefits from a climate perspective and from an economic perspective in supporting human settlements and livelihoods and health, etc. And the final piece is all of the ways in which we as humanity interact with nature, the food systems, the commodity trading, all these other different elements, that also has to work. We need to understand those three buckets and try to work to ensure that our relationship with nature gets better and better across all three of those. And that includes natural systems as well as the ways humans interact with them although of course as christiana points out humans are part of nature so this emergency is every bit as urgent as the climate crisis and part of why we wanted to talk to you about this today is we think this emergency is part of the climate crisis <laughs> absolutely yes thank well you. exactly thank you tom <laughs> that's the point that's the and point and finally finally all right i'm gonna point. i'm gonna make up for it all now okay finally this year this issue of nature is going to be reincorporated and placed back where it belongs, contextualized within the overall attempt to deal with the climate crisis and the biosphere crisis by bringing it into the COP and having a big breakthrough in the Biodiversity Convention as well. Correct? From your lips to God's ears. Now, should we see what Rita has to say about this? Rita is an old friend of yours. Would you like to introduce her? Well, Rita is an amazing woman, right? Rita Saglu, or if if she insists on her double barrel name like Tom does, um, it is Rita El Saglu, um, fantastic Costa Rican woman who uh, used to work while she was studying to get her advanced degree. She was working at the Costa Rican mission at the UN, and I have never seen a sponge that uh, absorbed as much information and knowledge and wisdom in one place for then to very quickly take up the leadership position that she now has as representing Costa Rica in this um, hack high ambition coalition, a, a coalition of 70 countries led by the UK, Costa Rica, and France. And she is absolutely the, the motor behind all of this just revving up momentum for this very, very difficult issue. Great, let's hear from her. Great, and we will be back after with more analysis. 
Rita, thank you so much for joining us on Outrage and Optimism. And the two of us being Costa Rican citizens, we have to, we just have to <laughs> announce to the world that this is a very special week for Costa Rica because we are celebrating 200 years of independence. So happy oh. independence anniversary to all Costa Ricans around the world. Uh, and Rita and I happen to be very proud of our country. So I'm sure she is also uh, celebrating from, um, from New York. But moving on to the topic that brings us here together, I would love for you to explain for our listeners, Rita, what does 30 by 30 mean and why is it important? What, what is the current situation that we have on both land surface as well as ocean area that makes the 30 by 30 target absolutely critical. Thank you so much, Cristiana, for, for giving that, uh, for making that question. I think the 30 by 30 target specifically uh, aims for the protection of 30% of our land and ocean by 2030. Um, this, of course, uh, is not only um, a matter of a quantity, so it's not only a matter of the area coverage, but of course of the quality of this area. Um, while we were constructing this um, this coalition, and 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 just to to give a bit of a um, of a background, it was first um, presented by the president of Costa Rica in 2019. Um, it was mentioned at the United Nations um, Climate Action uh, Summit, actually in 2019. And that was the first time that he spoke about the importance of the 30 by 30, because this is precisely what the scientists were telling us, right? And uh, in, in 2019, and as you might know. There was the IPBS report that was presented and it showed that uh, one million planet and animal species face extinction. And of course, we, we also uh, noticed that we've lost 60% of terrestrial wildlife and 90% of the big ocean fish. And so facing those very alarming numbers and, and really trying to see how we could curb the biodiversity loss and to shed some light on the climate crisis, uh, sorry, on the biodiversity crisis, this coalition was created to precisely shed the light also on biodiversity and to bring the synergies between the two um, crises, the biodiversity crisis and the climate crisis. Could you just go into that one little bit more? Because our listeners are somewhat more familiar with climate issues than they are with biodiversity. And just for those who heard Rita say IPBS, that is the equivalent of the IPCC in climate. Those are the scientists who produce uh, the big scientific reports on biodiversity. But um, could you, in, in a nutshell, explain to us What is that overlap? What is the what is the interlinkage between biodiversity and climate? And why do we have to treat them as actually being two sides of the same coin? Yes, of course. Um, well, scientists are clear that we need to urgently uh, expand our protected areas and conserved areas uh, to at least 30% of the planet's land and ocean by 2030, not only to curb the biodiversity loss, but also because protecting those ecosystems would provide a third of the climate mitigation needed by 2030. I also wanted to just um, uh, give your audience um, just a bit of, of, um, of a data on a recent UNEP WCMC report that found that conserving 30% of land and strategic location could safeguard 500 gigatons of carbon stored in vegetation and soils. And so I think those are mainly very um, broad ideas of the interlinkages between the two um, the two crises. And I think it's it's uh, it's been basically how we've been 
working since the beginning, trying to bring the conversation also um, not only into the biodiversity world, but trying to also uh, bring that attention into the climate world as well on, on the biodiversity crisis. And Rita, there's another, there, there are so many similarities between these two actually interlinked challenges. One is the whole issue of equity, right, which is so front and central and goes so deep in the climate discussion, but also in the biodiversity, because uh, we understand that uh, that preserving some of the of the areas, whether it's land or oceans, that are currently under um, either indigenous rights or developing country uh, areas, some people would say, well, but if we preserve and conserve those regions, then is that not going to stop economic development? Is that not going to keep us in poverty? Which is, an, it, it, which is exactly the same argument that we have on the climate side. Um, and I would love to know from you on the biodiversity side of the same coin, how is that being dealt with? That's an excellent question, Christiana, and I'll divide it into two because I think it's uh, the issue of the role of indigenous peoples and local communities is central to this 30 by 30 goal. I think it's um, it raised, um, um, I mean, we've been trying to raise this awareness from the beginning with the 30 by 30 um, goal. We have to really implement it correctly in partnership with indigenous people and local communities, respecting their rights and, of course, working uh, with them as the most effective, effective stewards of our biodiversity. Um, in the High Ambition Coalition, we have created a task force specifically to work with indigenous people and local community groups to make sure that our narrative and how we are trying to um, implement and to get to this 30 by 30 goal will be in line and hand in hand having the IPLC as central partners in this 30 by 30 goal. Now, moving into the first part of your question with regards to the economic aspect of it. I mean, the economists have said that it's not only feasible, but it is also beneficial. Several reports have been released, um, but I will, uh, for instance, re um, refer to a report from Cambridge that tell us that the benefits of um, the 30 by 30 target uh, outweigh the cost of establishing protected areas. It outweighs it, outweighed it for, uh, by a ratio of five to one. And I think that after the COVID pandemic, we have to really, really make sure to uh, put the nature and uh, the nature sector in the central of our discussions. Uh, another report that I wanted to also share with you is the McKinsey report that showed that uh, the 30 by 30, um, if it's, it, it will create up to 30 million jobs and it could be created in ecotourism, sustainable fisheries, and it could directly add 650,000 new jobs in conservation management, amongst others. So I think that this argument of um, not being um, economically wise or not being good for our development, it's really not um, a correct argument in the sense it's actually the exact opposite of this uh, argument. Hmm. Well, Rita, uh, if the economic case is there, I'm sure it should happen. Um, it's uh, such a privilege for me to to wish two Costa Ricans uh, a very, very happy birthday on the 15th of September, 200 years <laughs> uh, since independence. Uh, and uh, that's actually what I want to ask about Costa Rica. Um, you, as a country, I believe, have already achieved the majority of your 30 by 30 target. Is it 27%? How was it implemented and how could it serve as a model for other countries? You know, what have been the challenges that you've overcome? How did you do it? 
Yes, of course. And and maybe, thank you so much for that, Paul. Maybe just to highlight that it has been also a challenge for Costa Rica. I mean, uh, talking a bit about our um, ocean bit of the equation, we have not been so successful. And so there we have a very, very, very big challenge. We only have 2.67% of our uh, ocean that is protected. Oh, so we have oh. a gigantic, gigantic task and we are doing all our possible to really um, yeah, accelerate our action in that sense. I, I think on land we have been much more, um, I mean, our model have been much, much more uh, successful. We are now at 25.5% um, of our land and we have over 60 uh, percent of our um, uh, area is is um, um, forest covered, so it's uh, we have we are we have been very successful in in the land part, and it has been really part of our D DNA, right? It's uh, it's been our <laughs> model, uh, our development model. Uh, we have been trying to really see how we could. I mean, we are a middle income country, right? We also very much we have this. Um, um, th I mean, the the financial uh, bit of it that is also a challenge for us, but we have been very um, successful in doing it, uh, trying to include, um, I mean, nature in all our, our, our sectors. And, and I think that the, with the payment of ecosystems that we implemented um, over 20 years ago, it has been really pillar for us. Um, and uh, I think it's, um, it's something that we are very, very much proud of. Um, I, I mean, I think this is mainly part of our, um, our success. And but, 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 but Rita, how, how can we get some of this DNA into other countries? If, if our listeners are in other countries, <laughs> how do you get this DNA? That's exactly what we're trying to do with the with with the coalition, right? It's not only about raising the awareness of uh, the importance of biodiversity at the highest level and at at government level. It's also taking this awareness to the public, right? And and I'm so glad to be sharing with you this today because I I'm I'm hoping to bring this light and shed this light on biodiversity not only at the government level or at the scientist level, but to take it to all across across um, society level so I'm, I'm that's why I'm, I'm very grateful for it I think it's it's very important to tell the story it's very important to be very ambitious and and to really try to um, lead by example and that's exactly what we're trying to do so in in Costa Rica Rita I know how we did it we taxed carbon actually we taxed fossil fuels put a wow. tax on them more than 20 years ago and that's no. where the government 20 has, years ago. That's where the government gets funding for the payment of environmental services. But in order to prevent this podcast from being only about the wonders of Costa Rica, we have to ask, where would the finance for 30 by 30 come from in yeah. other countries, Rita? Yeah. Because, you know, that that is always the question. First, first, you have to get over the hump of, does this make sense? You've already argued, yes, it makes economic sense for any country and for the planet to do this. Okay, let's say that we agree to that. Next question, where is the finance going to come from? If you're not Costa Rica, where wh what are the, the current, uh, you know, streams of thought of how do we get this finance in place? It's a very good question. And actually, this is exactly where our focus within the coalition is trying to turn now. It's on how we implement this 30 by 30. And I think it's a whole of government uh, effort that we need to do. We we need to have a public, the public sector uh, being very active in it. And we have heard many countries such as France committing, for example, to 30% of their climate finance for biodiversity. The UK has committed 3 billion over the next five years for biodiversity. Germany, um, amongst others that have been trying to commit, but we need more, right? And we, and, and it's not only 
actually the United States and the biodiversity world, it's a bit um, of a different uh, situation than with, with the, the climate world because for the, um, uh, for, for the CBD, there are observers. So in that sense, they are, are not formally uh, taking part of the negotiation. But I mean, I understand that for the US, they have committed for 30 by 30 at a national level. And the idea would be to try to engage with them for them to also um, help with the implementation and increase their their um, uh, finance regarding biodiversity as well. So um, we're in discussions in that sense. <laughs> so Rita, with momentum growing the way you have been explaining, um, we, we need to ask the final question, which we ask all our wonderful guests on this podcast, and that is on the spectrum between uh, outrageous outrage and uh, hopeful optimism, where where do you place yourself and where do you place the hack in its 30 by 30 target? Um, I, I have to say that this week, precisely, I feel much more optimistic and I, I'm guessing the hack as well, because we, after the IUCN and, and the motions uh, supporting the 30 by 30 that came up, um, came out of it, it, it created a lot of momentum. And also next week there, we will have a, a high level event at the highest level, heads of state and heads of government in, in New York. And I think it's bringing a lot of momentum. So uh, I'm uh, today, today as we speak, 14th of September, I'm I'm much more into uh, the optimistic spectrum. Uh, but I have to say, okay. some days it's it's not it's not that way. <laughs> some days it's not that way. That's right. Yep. <laughs> and some days we harbor both. Exactly. Rita, thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time. Congratulations on everything that you're doing to get uh, get the 30 by 30 target out there into the consciousness of everyone who needs to understand the critical importance of it. Thank you so much. And again, felicidades por la independencia. <laughs> Thank you so much, Cristiana, Tom, and, and Paul. I mean, it's it's a great honor, and, and thank you for giving me the space uh, to also bring this awareness um, to your podcast. I, that I really, really uh, appreciate the time uh, and really enjoyed the conversation. Feliz Día de la Independencia, Cristiana. Feliz Día. <laughs> thank you. Beso, Thanks, so much. Ciao. Thanks for your leadership. Bye-bye. Thank you. Ciao. So how great to sit down. I mean, what a what an inspiring woman. What an amazing moment. It's just unbelievable the way she's like taken this seed of possibility and she's transformed it into this incredible momentum that's going to change the world. What did you both learn? What do you what did you particularly pick up from that conversation? I, I mean, one thing I particularly noticed that there's a part of this, you know, earlier we were saying it was far away from kind of, you know, the the conventional action on climate change but weirdly enough like changing the fuel mix of a power station or how steel is produced you know is is, is kind of quite remote to a lot of people um but actually i I'd hardly know anyone who's got you know any kind of land who isn't rewilding and trying to bring nature back so i think there's something there's quite a, a, a strong guttural link between this intergovernmental effort and something that people very naturally feel is an important part of responding to climate change using nature to draw down and, and to come back. I mean, the problem is we've chucked it all down, let it grow back up again. Christiane looks thoughtful. I actually like the way this 30 by 30 target is challenging us on, I think, two steps of understanding what we need to do. The first step is to go beyond the energy world into the natural world. That already is a conceptual leap for most people. But the second step that I think is very helpful 
is that most people, when they think about the natural world, they will immediately think about land. They will immediately think about mm. wetlands, forests, grasslands, etc. And they don't think about the ocean. Um, and so what I love about this 30 by 30 is it puts both of those into the same bucket. We need to protect 30% of land area and 30% of the ocean expanse. And that is incredibly helpful. Much more difficult, frankly, to protect ocean expanse than to protect land area. Much more difficult, um, but equally as important. And so I just love the way they just you know, went for the the full thing, right? The, the full Monty, let's just put land and ocean. Because they could also have just said, let's just put land in there. Yeah. And the fact that they just went straight and said, let's put both. Let's just look at the surface of the planet as it is, covered by either water or land, and let's put both in. I think it is remarkable, visionary, very, very challenging, and exactly the right thing to do. Yeah. And just, I mean, it's so beautifully branded, right? I mean, you know, as we talked about with her, it's been so difficult for nature to cut through as an issue that resonates with people around the world because it's so broad, as we talked about, it's about conservation, about restoration, it's about different elements of our interaction with that system. So it's difficult for people to get their arms around, but 30 by 30, you protect 30% of nature, people respond to it, it doesn't seem too high, um, seems like a reasonable amount. More nature in people's lives, more natural systems improves the quality of life. Um, and to do it by 2030, it's just a wonderful symmetry. So I actually think what's interesting about the way that this has landed at the moment, and I say this sitting in the UK, is the UK has a conservative right-leaning government that is doing its best to lead on climate, although with some challenging different issues, um, against a conservative base that frankly isn't that interested in it, which is the same as many right-of-centre electorates around the world. And part of the way they're doing it is they're leading on nature, so actually, you know, Boris Johnson and Zach Goldsmith are making a big effort to make nature the centerpiece of the COP. And they're doing that because they care, but they're also doing it because they want that to be the message that goes to their voters rather than conservative government agrees with Extinction Rebellion that we should all, you know, stop driving around, etc. So actually, as a crossover issue that can be picked up by right of centre governments, it's a very neat campaign that's well encapsulated, that can be communicated to core voters, that has deep conservative principles as part of it. It'd be great to see more political mileage made of that fact, because it's very powerful. Conservative and conservation, something where people can really reach across the aisle. I mean, who can be against a tree or a frog or a fish? Plus, you know, a major endorsement for Costa. I mean, that was a lovely comment, Paul. <laughs> or a lobster. Who could be against a lobster? I mean, when I, mean, I say what, a fish, yeah. I mean like very, very large numbers of fish. No and lobsters. Even, let's let's and talk about even, lobsters. No, we're not going to talk about them. But also fish that people don't think are fish, like dolphins and whales, which obviously are fish, but are not called fish by people who are like... Dolphins and whales experts. aren't fish. Well, they, they've, got fins. they've got fins on them and they live in the water and they go around like fish. So that you've got to get up early in the morning, as far as I'm concerned, to say why they're not fish. So listeners need to understand that Paul has a f mortal fear of lobsters. It's not, it's, not, it's not a joke, actually. He really gets very, very frightened about them. Well, so, they're terrifying. They're te they've got big so the, the last thing you'd want to do is, is tweet a gif of a lobster at him or anything like that. I'd really but encourage I him would, not to do I yeah. would. I would be very happy for there to be a zillion more lobsters and all kinds of fish in the sea um, because it's going to be... It's, but it's, it's like the nat natural world is sort of perfect before we arrived and it'll be perfect when we let it go back to what it was doing. No, 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 Paul, because you are part of nature, so you need to commune with the lobsters. 
<sighs> yeah, okay. Um, but probably wearing my anti-pincer shoes. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, Christiana, didn't you trick Paul once with a with a toy lobster? Come on, tell us the story. I did. I did. I put a plastic lobster that was very evidently made out of plastic. It was plastic. not easy to see it was plastic. No, it wasn't. Oh, come easy. on. <laughs> it's very evidently a plastic lobster. In your flat. <laughs> and he almost he almost jumped out of the balcony and committed suicide. Frankly, you know. He was so scared. He was I wasn't perspiring. scared exactly. It was it just was, a little bit um, unconventional. <laughs> One doesn't typically expect to it's find an unusual a... <laughs> Nature has many different... I mean, the dinosaurs, some of them are frightening, but we are very happy about them. Of course, they've gone now and they're made into fossil fuels, which we buy every day, but not for long. Right, moving <laughs> swiftly on. Right, we are going to return to this issue. This is a critical issue and, you know, we're not going to get to 1.5 degrees, which, of course, we have to do half emissions this decade. This is the critical decade. But we also have to preserve at least 30% of land and ocean by 2030, if not more. We need to engage with this issue. We need to change our farming practices. We who care about this climate issue need to educate ourselves and understand more about this. So we're going to return to this issue in the next few months because it's going to become quite a hot topic and a central part of the cop and i'm not going to sign off without noticing that paul wants to say something well just i'm asking you tom can like businesses investors can everyone start getting behind the 30 by 30 campaign is that like an invitation that we all back yes. governments get your governments get your whatever is it governments only in 30 by 30 or can can everyone no be no no it's everyone there you go i'm, I'm also struck by um the 2030 deadline is coming up over and over again, right? The first ones that chose that 2030 deadline was the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, to be achieved by 2030. Then we now know from climate scientists that we have to be at one half greenhouse gas emissions uh, as compared to today by 2030, and now the 30, 30 by 30 on uh, land and ocean. So, you know, if, if there ever was a mm -hmm. decisive decade, this is it. How, you yeah. know, how, how incredible that from very different avenues of approach, we've all landed on 2030 being the year in which we have to redo most of our economic structures, certainly most of our behaviors, most of, if not all of our financial incentives. It really is quite amazing the turnaround that we have to achieve by 2030. We can, we must, we will. Yep. Get some rest, everybody. It's going to be a busy nine years. <laughs> All right. Now then, we have some music for you. Mr. Bruce will be playing us out, and we kick off with a few words from him. Thanks for being here this week. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Hi, my name is Mr. Bruce, and I've just released a track called I Am Disaster. As you can tell from the title, it's a little heavier in outrage rather than optimism. The song was conceived as a result of a horrendous feeling of culpability for the climate crisis. The frustration at being part of a system which seems hell-bent on pushing the planet towards its multiple tipping points. The track is being released with a stop-motion animation made out of tinfoil, which depicts the unenviable odyssey of climate refugees. I hope you like it, and thanks for having me on my favourite podcast. Keep it up, but I won't go away.
from the laws that dictate You think your toys will save the day But I tell you it's too late I'm the genie in the bottle you smashed But you didn't wish for Before a scream leaves your lips Big budget blockbusters can't compete with the scale I'm working with Old Testament style, you better start saving your superlatives I am disaster, I am there You didn't expect to meet me so To them, not us Keep telling yourself it's a conspiracy Cause it sounds ridiculous I am ridiculous I'm like Captain Planet Steven Twin With my powers combined To disrupt Earth, water, fire and wind I am disaster I am there You didn't expect to That satisfies greed Growth at all costs Blindness to what you lost I am this crazy i love that song mr bruce everybody with i am disaster you know i that song brings up so many memories i really haven't listened to drum and bass music like that since i was like i remember playing halo listening to drum and bass anyway yes that song was awesome there's a stop animation music video that goes along with the song you have to see it it's entirely done with tinfoil i can't even begin to describe how much work went into it so Go to the show notes for that. And also, while you're there, Mr. Bruce is proudly supporting the Environmental Justice Foundation. So if you have a moment, watch the video and then sign the petition to help recognize the legal status 
of climate refugees. So thank you for doing that. Okay, my name is Clay. I'm the producer of this podcast. New season, new credits. For our regularly scheduled weekly episodes, I'm cutting some of the formalities and repetitive items, and I'm going to be playing around with this format, you know, having fun, but keeping it short. So in that spirit, thank you, Rita Elzagul, for coming on the show. You can connect with her on Twitter and LinkedIn in the show notes, and please do. The people we have on the podcast are people. If you have a word of encouragement or enjoyed them being on the show, just send them a message. Give them a follow. I'm sure they'd love to hear from you. And you can follow us too, at Global Optimism. We actually have a brand new website, outrageandoptimism.org. We just launched it, you know, still has that new electric car smell. I'm supposed to keep this podcast down to like 30 minutes, but with the music and everything, I think it might be like 33, 34, 35, 36, maybe? Anyway, next week, tune in to find out if I still have a job. And we have an episode on the future of food. So hit subscribe and, well, hopefully, I'll see you then. Bye.